For those who fish, this is the Drake cast. He was tying feathers on a hook. I'll do a hopper with a hopper dropper with a dropper hopper. The river was like a woman. Could be a disco midge, it could be a bead head. I'm your host, Elliot Adler. This episode of the Drake Cast is brought to you by Scott Flyrods. The other day, I called up the guys at the Fish Hawk Fly Shop in Atlanta, Georgia, to hear what they have to say about Scott Flyrods. I'll tell you, I've carried Scott for years, and frankly, in my trout rods, I pretty much had used G models, and uh, most of our guys here that work for me also fish that rod. The problem was, a few years ago, they really didn't have anything in the saltwater that competed. There were just better rods out there. And in the last couple of years, Jimmy, I think, has done a very, very good job at bringing the saltwater to the meridians up to speed. Got a rod that I can sell and feel very confident in because I've fished them and I do like them. So, you know, I think it's just been a, a great design that he did. You can find out more information at your local fly shop or scottflyrod.com. This episode is also brought to you by Yellow Dog Fly Fishing Adventures. Hey guys, Will Flack here, guide, lodge owner, and travel ambassador for Yellow Dog Fly Fishing Adventures. From the steelhead rivers of British Columbia to the permit flats of Belize, I've spent countless years chasing fish and guiding clients in some of the greatest fisheries on the planet. Whether it's freshwater or salt, clients routinely ask me where to go, what to bring, and how to ensure their next trip is great. My answer? Call the crew at Yellow Dog Fly Fishing. After all, there are a lot of ways to get there, but only one way to fly fish the world. Before we start, this episode contains some descriptive language that not all people will be into. If you're listening with kids, feel free to turn it up all the way. Alrighty, on to the show. A few years ago, I spent a summer doing manual labor just outside of Madison, Wisconsin. After long days of painting houses or moving wood chips, I'd hop in my van and make the 25-minute drive down to Black Earth Creek. It's just outside of town and holds lots of trout. But I never really hooked into anything all that big down there. Earlier this summer, I embraced my inner salmon and returned to my natal stream in the great state of Wisconsin. This is what salmon were born to do. They're driven to get up these rivers to their spawning grounds. Their parents made it up here, and nothing short of death will stop them from repeating that journey. I, too, had high hopes of spawning on the exact stretch of gravel where my parents had conceived me. But I also figured I should probably try to catch some fish while I was back home. This time, at night. To better my chances of hooking into something other than just a couple log jams, I asked a friend who's a guide down there if he'd be willing to join me. There's a, there's a lightning bug floating down the stream. You could see it like boop, boop. <laughs> this is Kyle Zempel. He owns Black Earth Angling Company. In the spring, he's guiding for trout in the Driftless area. And then in the summer, you'll find him motoring a jet boat on the lower Wisconsin River where he puts clients on tons of smallies. And for the whole year round, he lives just a couple miles from Black Earth Creek. So he knows the stream pretty darn well. How's it going, guys? I met Kyle at his place on a warm summer evening just before the solstice. How are you doing, man? Good, good to see good. you. Hey, I'm Elliot. Nick. My brother, Mark. 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 Eric. Eric, nice to meet you, Eric. Nice to you as well. Kyle had assembled a posse of good old boys who lived in the area. Our goal? Convince a big trout to come to the surface with a tantalizing mouse pattern. What kind of mouse is that? The Moorish mouse. 
one of them's a real wheel of fortune because I broke my thread three times trying to gob too much hair on. <laughs> so one of them is one of them's going to show up being the Moorish gerbil or something like that when the thread breaks. But there was also potential for a pretty special hatch that night, although it wasn't exactly a fishing-related hatch. We're having a baby, baby labor for sure next Tuesday, <laughs> if not sooner. If not sooner, tonight. it's zero dark thirty. <laughs> Nick's wife was on the verge of birthing their second child and was kind enough to let him go out fishing, as long as he kept his phone with him. You tell everybody you're working on it, and then all of a sudden you go, oh, it worked. <laughs> and I looked at my wife and I said, well, I don't know what you expect when you sit around with me and have unprotected sex. This is kind of what, this is the way the world works. I'm a very fertile guy. <laughs> Let's hope you can catch fish as well as you can uh, make babies. Yeah. We stood around drinking old Milwaukee light and talking smart waiting for dusk to fully settle. Anybody else throw a hex box in just in case? I have a hex. I have a hex on my lampshade upstairs that I'm going to go pluck off. I got a box in. full of them. I'll be selling them for 25 bucks. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'll be sure to bring 25 bucks that, in just in case. For you non-Midwestern folks, hex is shorthand for hexagenia, which is a freakishly oversized mayfly that hatch on warm summer nights throughout the Midwest. And when they're there, the fish can't say no. But it was still a bit early in the season for the hatch, so our hopes just weren't that high. If they don't want an ugly mouse, then that's just tough. Now, everyone has anecdotal evidence of legendary browns landed after dark, but is there any real science behind this nocturnal big fish behavior? Hello? Hello, is this Dr. Deanna? Yes. Hey, this is Elliot Adler from the Drake Magazine calling. Hi, how are you? To find out, I called up an expert. My name is Jim Diana. I'm a professor of fisheries and aquaculture at the University of Michigan, and I'm also the director of Michigan Sea Grant. Dr. Diana has been conducting research related to brown trout behavior on the Osable River for decades. Specifically, I was calling him about a paper he had published back in the 90s titled Range, Activity, and Habitat of Large, Free-Ranging Brown Trout in a Michigan Stream. So we started back when the state was considering putting catch and release regulations on the Osable River. But they wanted to know whether brown trout were actually protected by catch and release or if they moved outside of that range regularly. Uh, we know pretty well that most smaller trout tend to form social hierarchies, oftentimes in pools, and not move around very much. Um, but the large brown trout appeared to be more nomadic. So we set out to, to study that, and of course, you can sit on the side of a stream and watch behavior if the fish all stay there, and that works just fine. But if the fish move a lot, you need a different method. So Dr. Diana and his research partners developed a different method. They'd electrofish an area of the stream until they captured a brown trout over 40 centimeters. They'd then anesthetize the fish, make a small incision, and then insert a tiny radio transmitter inside the fish. They'd glue the cut back together, wait for the fish to wake up, and then let it swim back to its hidey hole. Uh, and that allowed us to follow much more free-ranging fish um, and not necessarily fish that were kind of in one location. Now, with the transmitters implanted, Dr. Diana and company had to track these fish. And they did so by carrying this big antenna around until they got a ping back, letting them know that the marked fish was within 200 meters of them. So in a series of studies, we found that the large brown trout tended to remain relatively inactive during the day. Then in the evening, start moving, um, oftentimes move really long distances, sometimes several miles up and down stream, um, and then often return in the morning to the same piece of cover they were in before. 
Sometimes we would find brown trout that would get out of cover, move some distance, and then come back. And we felt that they probably had been successful at eating something, and so they were done for the day. And others that continued to move, and we felt that most likely they hadn't been able to find prey, and so were continuing to forage. Combined with some other research, Dr. Diana gave me some even more specific intel. Well, I think the actual timing that's probably most important is morning and evening. Um, And there's a pretty good literature out there that says a lot of predators take advantage of their prey during the time when their behavior shifts from being out and active during the day and hiding at night. And so in between those times, they're moving to different areas, their vision isn't as good, and the belief is they're more vulnerable to predators. So I think that the brown trout are keying really on those two times, um, but then, you know, continuing through the night. I asked the doc if he ever applies the knowledge he gains from his research to his angling. I would have to say that we professors <laughs> tend to study things but not actually be able to do things very well. So um, I have tried to use information I've gotten from, you know, fish behavior into catching them, and I have to say it hasn't really improved my fishing that much. Um, I've gone brown trout fishing at night, although mostly there during the hex hatch when the hex hatch at night anyway, Um, and I'm not very good at it. I'd have to say I tend to get caught in the bushes and break off flies more than anything when I'm doing that kind of fishing. (laughs) Armed with classified information from a real deal scientist, we headed down to Black Earth Creek, specifically targeting that transition from day to night. Hey, go dig, dig back in there. Hey, you got beer in your cooler? Go ahead and look in the red yeti there. Right. Can I shotgun? The red. What'd you get yourself into here? The sun ducked behind the rolling driftless hills as a tractor rolled by. With our mouse patterns firmly attached to oversized tippet, we headed to the bridge to observe the stream. Yeah, let's go. Let's go by. Let's go by the water and see what's happening. That's a hex right there. Oh wow! Look at there goes another one. These hex are popping, man. Yeah, look at them. <laughs> I'm not sure if there's a sparrow or a hex. Those are big. Look at them go. Yep. Look at them. Yeah. Oh, my friend. Plan <laughs> B. Yeah. Who brought who who brought the hex patterns? There was an eat. Come on. There it was again. Although we had planned on mousing, we quickly realized that we had stumbled onto something even better. This was the first hex hatch of the year, and this was a big deal. We changed tactics. 25 bucks a fly, boys. I'll take two for, for 45, you can cut me a deal. Luckily, Eric had brought a big box of foam hex imitations. Might not go to sleep before I go to work tomorrow. <laughs> Hexagenia is a good name for a girl. There you go. Mark and Nick stayed at the bridge while Eric, Kyle, and I tried our luck downstream. I'm going to go see if there's one down this corner here. Eric headed further downriver, and Kyle snuck up on a rising fish. I can't see over the vegetation in front of me. I'm just going completely outside. <laughs> he hid himself behind the five-foot-tall grasses that lined the bank. Oh, Excuse my language. The fish were hitting, but not quite sticking. Oh! <laughs> Despite the misses, spirits remained high. Nothing better than a Wisconsin summer night, man. Ah, that's right. Hot, humid, and buggy. <laughs> Something about, you know, the suffering that you go through to 
It is, it is nice. If you're tough enough, you know. Kyle continued smacking the water while Eric made his way back up to us with a satisfied smirk on his face. Actually, I got that guy to eat one time and then this guy slurped and I fed him. You get a fit? Yeah. On the, nice. on the hex, so the, a little different night. Yeah, you gotta love it when this happens. I missed Eric's hook set, the battle, the landing. I didn't get any of that on tape. As a consolation to you listeners, here's what I imagine Eric catching that fish sounded like. It's a baby fucking whale, man! Holy shit! Well, maybe the reenactment was a slight exaggeration. We skirted a farm field as we headed to a different stretch of water. And along the way, Kyle warned me not to step on the knee-high corn stalks. Farmers uh, usually don't worry about you too much. They have so much shit going on. But if you make their life harder. So I should probably mention that we were on private land while fishing this stream. But we weren't illegally trespassing. Thanks to a program in Wisconsin where the state leases easements from private landowners, fishermen are allowed to access a ton of streams on private land across the state. Kyle went on. The easement basically is this buffer zone, just vegetation, tall grasses, things like that. Um, there's, a, there's a farm field that comes right up to it, and people can access the stream by walking through the easement and not walking on their corn, which doesn't make them very happy. So, And in addition to public access, the easement serves another purpose. You know, this, this area of vegetation we have between us and the stream definitely helps with, with runoff, and there's like, you know, a key piece, especially in these areas where you have lots of ag- agriculture. 30 years ago, Wisconsin's trout streams were in rough shape. And it's programs like these easements that encourage farmers to leave a buffer between their farm and the water that have helped make the streams great again. We hiked a couple hundred yards downstream, but didn't see as much action going on. The bitch of this bug is they typically peel off for about 45 minutes and then it's done. So you, you, know, you come out here, you sweat, and you put bug dope on, you wait. And... It didn't take long for the hex and the fish to stop coming to the surface. We all met back at the bridge. It was, a, it was a kind of a nice little flurry of activity for a while. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's cool. I mean, Nick's saying they're still going a little bit up here, but it's cool a little bit. Yeah. Mark, headlamp. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> we went back to laughing and drinking beer, which was going much better than the fishing. And then all of a sudden, a stranger appeared out of the darkness. There's a Motley crew ever so Yeah. <laughs> Did you this one? No, I'm, I've got a thing that I can't figure out where I'm going here, and I'm in the grass, and God damn. Well, that's the beer, isn't it? <laughs> Apparently, the stranger had been fishing upstream of us and had just returned to his car. It, we just kind of started not too long ago here. You just got started? Yeah. yeah. How'd you do? You fishing? Yeah. Hey, look. I caught one. Um, I didn't have the bait. I don't know what they were hitting on. I didn't see anything in the air. So I don't know what they were hitting, but they didn't like a little fly, a little mayfly. Were they making, were they taking something on top? Yeah. See the hex pop off for a while there? No. Did you get that up there? No. Yeah, they were coming off pretty thick here at the bridge. Oh, thick. How many did you count? Seriously, thick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, more than I could count. Hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah. Seriously. And what were you doing? Watching them? No, we were down there <laughs> slapping the water. Yeah, look at He's got teeth marks in his. Well, so that, that, I got mine. He's yeah. got teeth marks. 
<laughs> you caught one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. It, uh, it happened. Not like I want it to happen. <laughs> we all came here with mouse patterns tied on tonight. I was you like, mean, what you, was that? You didn't actually want, trying to fish the hex? That's the key to fishing the hex. It's good to see young no. people out, man. What you you know? About it. Yeah. Did you watch uh, 60 Minutes? tonight about cell phones it's ugly what they're what they, what they're what they put into the system to uh, fuck you guys up well we're rebelling right now good yes, that's, that's what right. i want to see god it's great to see you guys out. as mysteriously as he arrived the stranger faded back into the darkness but his words stuck around it was good to be out there we continued drinking beer and eventually threw a few mouse patterns around, but after a while, we lost focus. Because this fishing expedition was never really about the fishing. While I still have your attention, I want to make a quick public service announcement. A couple years ago, Black Earth Creek was in the news because the DNR discovered the invasive New Zealand mud snails within the creek. They're these super tiny snails that like to get stuck on waders. Since then, Wisconsin's DNR has installed boot cleaning stations at hundreds of river crossings throughout the state, which we all need to use. Additionally, if you're in a stream with New Zealand mud snails, go home, throw your fishing gear in the freezer overnight before you even think about stepping into another stream. It's our responsibility as anglers to take the time to make sure we don't help spread these invasive species, which jeopardize the fisheries we love. Stick around for scenes from our next episode and this week's Field Notes. A shout out to Nick, Mark, and Eric for making the best of our time on the water. And to that old timer, whose name I never did quite catch. Want to make sure you never miss an episode of the Drake Cast? Well, it's easy. Whip out your smartphone, go to your favorite podcasting app, and type in DrakeCast. One word, DrakeCast. Click subscribe. By subscribing, your phone will automatically download each new episode right when they come out every Friday. Also, if you like what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes. It definitely helps other people find our podcast. This week's field notes come to us from one of the stars of this episode, Kyle Zempel. This time of year, he's fishing for smallmouth bass on the lower Wisconsin River. He told me about the fishery and how he's been doing lately. The uh, smallies are at their peak through the end of June into July, and they are uh, putting on the feed bags pretty heavily. And in the lower Wisconsin especially, they are uh, corralling bait fish this time of year, which is something we call the crash. Blowing up every Look at them all. Holy shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's pretty outstanding. The uh, the topwater action is some of the best you can really experience as far as uh, you know a freshwater situation goes for smallmouth bass. Put it out there and watch the frenzy of bass try to attack your fly. You're seeing numerous smallmouth bass breaking the surface and baitfish kind of raining out of the water. It's really quite the sight. You know, it looks like kind of a, a washing machine going off in front of you. You're not really sure what you're looking at. You know, something like a school of piranhas. You throw a, a saltwater crease fly, just kind of scale down to the size of the baitfish that are in there and basically race it from the bank back to the boat as fast as you can. Oh, 
yeah, doubled up, baby. <laughs> it does not get any better than that, dude. Oh my god, there's still a ton of them in there. Oh, that's a slam. And hang on for dear life after that and enjoy the aftermath. Thanks, Kyle. Quick plug, if you want to catch a boatload of smallies on the lower Wisconsin River, look them up. You'll find a link to his website on our website, drakemag.com. It's there that you'll also find a few photos from the trip and links to other episodes of the podcast. All right, tune in next week as we take a trip to one of America's most endangered rivers, and we'll learn about how you can help save it. It is as good of a smallmouth river as there is in the country, without any question. I always said this from the beginning, if this project could be stopped, it's worth losing my home. We don't talk about this river. We don't write articles about this river. If we could go back to the Garden of Eden for the Christians, and then just imagine if they were going to put a mine on top of it, or right around it, right next to it. Could you imagine the, the upheaval in this country that would happen? Our children are going to pay for it. We won't. It's as simple as that. Us young guys are going to have to worry about it. These guys won't. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This has been The Drake Cast. Oh.